Greetings, everyone. It is now time for Mark Safe, tales of your very favorite and most beloved man-made disasters. On Mark Safe, we discuss events and details that some may find disturbing. Listener discretion is advised. Please listen responsibly. And now, here with your hosts, Brianne and Melanie, this is Mark Safe. Hi, Melanie. You gonna button us in today? No, fuck you. I don't button in. Oh, okay. Well, no. I'll button us in. <laughs> okay, I'm exempt from that. How are your titties? Uh, crispy. <laughs> they're still great. I mean, they're still the best titties, according to you and everybody else. <laughs> but they spent a lot of time in the sun today, and now they're... Um, medium well, I would say. Oh, you gotta rub some aloe on it. Yeah, well, that, yeah, just recently I've only been able to use aloe because until, like, this year, for some reason, the audio guy was insanely allergic to aloe. Like, couldn't even be around someone who'd had it on them. And he's okay now? He grew out of it? He just randomly stopped being. It was weird. (laughs) It's like, aloe titties. Yeah. Yeah. I need them. My poor kids are sunburned too, but not nearly this bad. Yeah, I usually, I need to get better at the sunblock. I really do. It's just. Yeah, it was super overcast. I thought we would be fine. We weren't. I lather my kids up in it. I'm really good about that. Me. I didn't lather any, anyone up in it today. We were supposed to go to this little, um, it's certainly not a lake. It's more of a pond, but it's kind of like a little gimmick thing that my city has where it's like a little pond but they've got sand all around it and like little like a man-made beach te- yeah i mean it's tiny like it's tiny but yeah it's a man-made beach um i mean this is like the most landlocked place in the world um but we were gonna go there today because it's it's usually super 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 dead and then we woke up and we had gone to sleep with the window open and, like, the breeze coming in was cold, like, actively cold. Oh. And we were like, shit. Because we told the kids we were going to go tomorrow, and they were so pumped. And I don't know when there's – I don't know if there's going to be another day this year where we can go. Um, So we were like, well, we're just going to – we're just going to make the best of it. We went – it was 75, which is not hot enough, but it was weirdly fine. And it was, like, gray and overcast, and there was a literal, like – chilly breeze and i'm like we won't be there that long it's gonna be miserable no one's even gonna get in the water we're we're probably not even gonna really need sunblocks we're gonna be there like half an hour it's gonna be right no it was great there was sun it was pretty warm the water was like bath water and i'm medium well (laughs) and y'all had those amazing flamingo floaties of course adorbs Yes, my baby calls them Mingos. Oh, <laughs> Mingos are my favorite. She's the best. She's pretty precious. So how is she doing? She is wonderful. She had her first week of school this week, which, as you know, is homeschool. Not because of COVID. It always would have been homeschool. Um, but she had her first week this week of kindergarten. And oh, my God. I love her. She's so smart and she's so cool. (laughs) And I love, I I mean, I don't want to get mushy about it, but I just, uh, I love filling up her little brain with knowledge because she just, she just soaks it up. She's like queen facts. Yes. And she is so freaking smart. What'd y'all do this week? Uh, everything. She's got math and reading and writing and, um, she asked to learn well she's got a thing where she wants to know because as you know the audio guys in the rn she has a thing where she wants to know everything about being an rn mm-hmm. like kind of creepy stuff <laughs> um, <laughs> like she will sometimes say if i'm really good or if i do this or if i do that uh will you tell me a nurse secret oh and like, the thing she wants to know is, like, how to stop someone if they're going to bleed to death or <laughs> how to stitch up a really deep cut or something. She's going to be a little hero when she's older. I know. It's so weird to me, though, because, okay, God, 
We are five minutes into this and I'm already about to take a major detour. <laughs> when I was a kid, I looked at the publication year once and I I think I might have been like seven. Well, okay, hold on, back that up. Referencing our Mark Safe bingo board, let's get the Brianne Shouts or Mom out thing <laughs> already out of the way. When I was five, um, my mom had major brain surgery and... That was, you know, a whole thing. It was like a 14-hour surgery. She, the recovering and, like, strength and everything after was just mind-boggling. I could write a story about I that. I cannot even imagine. Oh, my God. There is, there are some, some stories there, that's for sure. Um, But I was, I mean, I was kind of a little bit of a morbid kid already. But then I just got kind of a fascination with brains and, you know, how they work and surgery and things like that. And I remember being in like a Barnes and Noble or something. I don't know. Were Barnes and Nobles a thing like twenty five years ago? I think. I don't. Know. It was. It was. It was some kind of big box bookstore. I don't know. Um. So I was in some kind of bookstore and I found a book which was for kids called Brain Surgery for Beginners. Hmm. And I was like, <gasps> Yes, I'm gonna learn about brain surgery <laughs> and even how to do it. And I like I had um a sense of you know, responsibility that I couldn't do brain surgery, but I wanted to know how to do brain right. surgery. Right. Um, I I definitely wanted to be a seven year old surgeon who just had the restraint to not do brain surgery. Hey, come in handy for a zombie apocalypse, and if yeah. if you're forced, you know. Mm-hmm. So I I did end up getting this book, and it was so not what I was expecting. It was not what I wanted. It was not actually a children's manual to brain surgery, believe it or not. (laughs) It was like a fun facts anatomy book. I think it was, uh, I do think it might have been kind of brain focused, but it had stuff like about Egyptians pulling brains out of the nose for embalming and that stuff. And I was so disappointed. So like Adelaide and her little nurse secret thing reminds me so much of that (laughs) and see and look at you now you can't Mm -hmm. even do a disaster without having eric look up the head stuff for you i know i know i i like heads to stay on (laughs) all the time i'm fine with heads that are attached to bodies so Back off that detour three minutes later. She wanted to add an anatomy class. So we've got anatomy and we've got a million fun books about how the body works and everything. And she wanted to add a class about birds. Oh. And I said, the hell with that? You can teach her that. I'm not teaching her about fucking birds. I don't even like birds. To um, her father, the audio guy. And um, so that is their special thing. And they went bird watching at the beginning of last week and they went to the park and she brought her little field guide and her little notebook and everything and they found an american goldfinch and which is a cute little yellow bird and they found an american goldfinch and she uh drew a picture of it in her field guide and wrote down a bunch of stuff about it and then midway through the week uh she Watched a bunch of videos, got more in-depth about that specific bird. And then at the end of the week, she gave a presentation on the American goldfinch. I saw your post about this, and I, I messaged <laughs> you. I was like, you know, my na- my maiden name's Finch. and Which I did not know. It is. And when I was growing up, my parents, I don't know if they thought it was funny or fitting, but we had a ton of finches as pets. I had some finches too as a kid. They're really, they're cute little birdies. I don't know yes, if I could ever are. own a bird, you know, no, in my adult no. life. But then I also lived in a town called Finchville. And it just seems like so much. But That's a theme. I think, I think there's some foreshadowing or maybe someone is trying to tell you something (laughs) i don't know i don't know but i saw your post and i was like i would really have loved to hear adelaide's presentation on the goldfinch well you're kind of in luck Mm -hmm. because i have a little interview for you from her 
Uh, we had her as a guest on the podcast mm-hmm. briefly today to fill us in on her area of expertise, the American Goldfinch. Oh, I love this so much. She was so excited all day. She kept saying, Melanie's going to love it. I can't wait for Melanie to hear it. You have to tell me what Melanie says. You know, she's my she's favorite obsessed guest. with you. My favorite guest oh my ever. She is obsessed with you. <laughs> I'm obsessed with her. <laughs> so here is that. I'm so excited. Hello and welcome to our podcast. Adelaide, it is an honor to have you on our show tonight. Thank you very much. I would like to interview you about a subject that you are actually a bit of an expert in. What subject is that? Birds. You are an expert in birds? (laughs) And did you... Do something special earlier this week for the first time with school? Yeah. What was that? Find, find the book. Did you give a presentation? Mm-hmm. Oh, my. What did you give a presentation on? American goldfinch. An American goldfinch. And I, I assume that's a bird? Is that is that a bird? Yeah. Wow. Well, I would like to interview you tonight about the American goldfinch. Do you think you can tell me a little bit about that? If I ask you some things? Sure. Okay. So, have you ever seen an American goldfinch, or did you just read about one in a book? See one. You saw one? Yeah. Where did you see it? At the park. You saw a an American goldfinch in the feather at the park? Mm-hmm. Can you tell me about that? What did it look like? It was yellow, and it was a boy, and its forehead was black. Oh, let's go back to that. It was a boy? How do you know? Because girls don't have black foreheads. They're all yellow. Oh, but the bird that you saw had a black forehead, so it was a boy American goldfinch. Is that right? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. So, boys and girls look different. Do Do they eat the same food? Yes. What do boy and girl goldfinches eat? Seeds. Seeds? Mm-hmm. Where do they get their seeds? What kind? Thistles, holes, dandelions, sunflowers. Thistles, dandelions, and sunflowers. That sounds tasty. So what do they do? Because we live somewhere that has seasons, don't we? What, mm-hmm. what seasons do we have here? Um, spring. Summer, fall, and Halloween. <laughs> Halloween, that's a season? I agree. What comes after that? Mm, winter. Winter, okay. So, do the American goldfinches stick around when it gets cold outside? Mm, they fly somewhere warm. They fly somewhere warm? Mm-hmm. Do they change at all in the winter? Yes. How so? They turn brown. They turn brown. So they start out yellow and then their feathers turn brown? Mm Mm-hmm. In the summer they're yellow and in the winter they're brown. Wow. And did anyone notice it's starting to get chilly outside? I have noticed, yes, that it is starting to get chilly outside. Yep. Yep. So I bet the American goldfinches are going to fly away somewhere pretty soon, don't you think? And it's... Turning brown. They're turning brown. Do you have anything with pictures of birds? Yes. What is it? We draw the pictures of birds, and in my bird book, hook the little part with the bent tail. It's there's a picture of a girl one and a boy one. You have a bird book. Mm-hmm. That must help as a bird expert. Mm-hmm. Do you have any other bird supplies like that to help you become a bird expert? Yes. What do you have? Um, binoculars. You have binoculars? Mm-hmm. How do those work? You I'm put, not sure our listeners understand binoculars. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? You put them on your eyes like this, and they have a, a band, and you, you won't drop them. Because you put the band over your neck with the binoculars on them, and when you set them down, they won't fall on the ground because they're connected to the band. And what can you see with them? 
fins that's far away, but when you, you see through them, you can see them up close, but you, it looks like they're really far away if you see them backwards. Wow. And what color are your binoculars? Pink. Pink binoculars? Mm-hmm. Wow. And um, where did you get your binoculars from? Amazon. Amazon. We get all kinds of things from Amazon. Well, it has been wonderful having you on our podcast today, an expert such as yourself. And I look forward to attending your next presentation. Will you be doing any more presentations? Mm, I'm going to do another one next week when I find another bird. How are you going to find another bird? The same way you find the other one, only with binoculars. Oh, that's going to help. How did you do it? We He just looked and stayed still so he can fly down and stayed still and quiet so he can write it down. Oh, you said we? Do you have a, a bird assistant? I do have one, but I didn't say it. It's dad. Oh, your dad is your bird assistant. Mm-hmm. A father-daughter team. That is beautiful. And we just stayed still and quiet and it fly down and he, he, he slowly... He weighted it down. And I have been lucky enough to see your beautiful illustrations and artwork showing the American goldfinch. And I will show those to our listeners. Okay. All right. Well, thanks for coming on our podcast today, Adelaide. (laughs) Have a great night. Bye. Bye. She's the cutest fucking thing in the world. She's going to run the world, so I'm glad you think so. I hope that we can have her um, guest for us. More often. She would love to be a guest. Her little first day of school, um, like, chalkboard thing. That's like, you know, what's your favorite subject? Who do you want to be when you grow up and everything? Says that she wants to be a congresswoman. (laughs) Which is exactly what she wants to be. Or an attorney. Those are her. I could see either one of those for her. Oh, man. She is is convincing. Yes. She can. She could talk anyone into anything. Yes. So what are you going to tell us about tonight? Well, I know I said I was going to do a different episode this go around, but as you know, a lot has gone down in this past week. So I figured, you know, with everything going on in Louisiana, I probably should pivot a bit and do something a little bit different. You're not going to tell me about Britney fucking Spears tonight, Melanie. Nope. You're fired. I know. I know. Well, it's not my fault. It's Laura's fault. <laughs> asshole Laura did you only get Laura or did you get both of the assholes well Marco not that Laura's not enough Marco fizzled out Laura shifted west so we got like tornado warnings and you know like some pretty like intense storms but we were not in the path and man she is a messy bitch that's for sure <laughs> so i am glad you were okay i was worried the whole time oh yeah it was getting a i was nail biting there for a little bit because i'm like last minute we decided to stay and then like because it shifted and then i'm like the whole time you're like am i an idiot did i make the right decision you know yeah. and it's so different when you have four kids too because you're like you're not sure. just making the decision for yourself you know you right. have little people to take care of so so, yeah, the first part of my episode, I basically just kind of want to do a little bit of kind of like a catch up on Laura. And then, um, you know, I have a, another story up that I want to share on this episode that isn't Louisiana based, but we had a similar situation happen because of Laura. So it all kinds of ties in. So. Hurricane Laura basically rocked our coastline. Um, she was a category four and she like, have you seen the videos? It's, it's weird. Cause I feel like there hasn't been a ton of coverage, which is, you know, me being in the state, I figured I would have seen more. I just don't know yeah. if it's just like, cause there's so much shit going on with 2020. It's like. One thing only lasts is 24 hours before there's another new thing to worry about, you know? So it gets yeah, kind of shuffled. Yeah, you think that would have been 
I mean, that's a for, okay. It would. I would think. I would think that still would have gotten more. Yeah. Attention. But it it did it it it's so sad. It's really sad. Um, so when you think of like hurricanes and tornadoes and earthquake, it's like really easy to forget that disasters like. It's not just a storm. It comes with an array of things that can fuck you up and hurt you and harm you and kill you. So Laura right now, like as of recording, we're sitting on 16 deaths. Oh, my God. It's a lot of fucking people. I did not know that. I didn't I didn't know account at all. Yeah, it's it's sad. Guess what? And is that mostly like drowning? No. This is, listen, this is fucking bananas and this is not anything I would like. Okay. More than half of those deaths are from unsafe operations of power generators. Like these. Are you kidding me? No, these poor folks are literally dying of carbon monoxide poisoning. Oh my God. Like. It's always such stupid preventable shit. Yeah. And it's, it's super concerning um because there's no power and there's like no telling when the power is going to be back on i mean they're saying right now it can be weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks there's 230,000 customers in louisiana right now without power um 80,000 of those in lake charles and nearby towns and parishes uh east texas right now 90,000 people lost power oh so i mean it's generator after generator so if you're one of those people and you're using a generator, please be careful and use your generator safely and how it's directed, please. Like, ah, oh, it's really upsetting. I, I saw that and I'm like, oh, it's so upsetting to me. I hate that. It's the preventable stuff like just makes yeah. me want to vomit. Yeah. Ugh. Um, another thing, um, which is just kind of like... Because our president, and I'm not even going to turn this into a political debate. I just want to share an observation. Uh, I would love to turn it into a I know. <laughs> <laughs> this would be like a 10-hour episode of just me and you screaming at how awful and it is and how people need to get out there and fucking vote. Period. Just or screaming find- into the void. <laughs> screaming into... I don't think it's screaming into the void. I guess it depends. I don't know. I don't know. It might be. I feel like I'm feeling very nihilistic about things. Move on. I, I, you know me. I'm an optimist. Like I like. I to know. Think I used that, to like, be. I'm. I'm losing it this year. I want to hope that like oh, we can change people. Like open their eyes. I know mm. it's. I think it's a little bit harder because people are at home and you're seeing all this crazy bullshit that they're posting on their timelines and it's like mute unfollow snooze but i don't know like i can't i cannot go on thinking that people might people's mind can't be changed you know what i mean i do i do and that that's it's been a rough couple of years because i just really I've just lost a lot of faith well, in people lately. Well, it's fucking disheartening. And it's just like, you're, when's it going to change? I used to be a very optimistic person. I did not think that anything could really take that. And here we are. Well, I'm here to say we can change it. <laughs> All right. <laughs> if nothing else, I believe that your Melaniness can make it be true. Yay! All right. So, moving on. We don't have to move on. I mean, I could stay there for a long time, but it's not a very (laughs) fun place, really. Well, let's get back to this stuff. So, when they're, like, the current president, you know, flew in. Mm -hmm. And... Oh, he flew into you guys? Yeah, into Louisiana. I bet that helped. You know what? And this is kind of where I'm going with this. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, And, you know, I don't give a fuck. Actually, it doesn't matter. Listen, 
<laughs> I know people want to see their leaders do something when there's something like this ha- that happens. But sure. listen, like, I don't think people realize, like, with relief efforts, like, right after a disaster, how much of that uh, is reliant on aviation. Oh, and that shuts down the airspace, doesn't it? It sure does. So I hadn't really even thought of that. Yeah, I don't think most people do, or they forget. Um, Yeah, like the president flies in, and a presidential TFR it's a it's a temporary flight restriction, and it's issued over a massive amount of airspace in the surrounding area. Like it's not one small thing. Like it's it's a big fucking deal. Yeah. Um, because of this, this is shutting down any flights within that radius. And, Oof. you know, if there's like stuff going on, it has to stop. You know, it, it really puts a hindrance on like any kind of assessment or disaster reliefs, you know, f- from aviation. Um, yeah. And when you think about it, it's like, okay, a hurricane came in. The roadways, there's trees, there's down power lines, there's flooding, there's debris blocking roadways. Like, there's not cars being able to drive into it. So, guess what? We That's when we have, you know, that we need that airspace. Yeah. So, I don't... Which, I mean, I didn't think of that, but you would think that someone involved in that whole thing would. You know, I, I, I have, like, a little, I guess a little more insight just because of my husband's yeah. career. So, you know, I get to hear a little more of these things, but I just like, that's crazy to me because sometimes like a relief effort is more important than like watching some suit throw toilet paper at someone. I mean, come on. Oh yeah. You know what I, I mean? mean? Maybe, maybe you could even say all the time, all the time, it's more important all the time. Yes. I did post, um, I, I made a couple posts on our social media about yeah. Laura, There was another one. There was a chemical plant that caught on fire right after Laura made landfill or landfall, not landfill. That would be stinky (laughs) and smelly and terrible. (laughs) Um, But this plant was it's a biolab plant and it manufactures like cleaning products and pool supplies. So because this thing caught on fire, it started releasing chlorine gas into the air. Oh, yeah. Um, Oh, that's not good. No. Colonel Kevin Reeves, superintendent of the state police, said that some point during the storm, some of the plant's products began to react and decompose, which caused a fire. The chlorine gas was released into the air by the fire. And just to give you a scope of how awful this is, like chlorine gas was used as chemical weapon in World War One. Yeah, it's no joke. So, you know, our governor was like, Please, you know, you have this hurricane and then he's like, stay inside, close your doors, close your windows, turn off the air, which, by the way, it is. That's not ominous at all. Hot as fuck here. Like, I don't know. It's just a disaster within a disaster. And it's just the whole thing is depressing. And I don't I just don't want people to I feel a lot of times with like these hurricanes and stuff. It's like, oh, that's terrible. And then, like I said, we move on to the next thing. Yeah, that happened. God, what was it? It was in Texas. And I remember so much so vividly about it. It was like, I don't know, a few years ago. And it seems like it was so, 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 so bad. And then people just kind of moved on when it was not even remotely over. And there was flooding forever. Which Harvey one was that. Yeah, I think it was Harvey. Yeah. yeah. It's bad. <sighs> it just takes so you know, being here, it's like you. I, I don't even think people realize that Katrina. I mean, we just hit our 15 year, year anniversary on that, and that's still like they're still reeling from that. You know, oh, yeah. Um, the whole thing's just it's sad, and like I said, Laura was a super messy bitch on this one. <laughs> <laughs> also, because of you know, the resulting storms, like even without just impact, like I said, we had, we weren't in the cone anymore because it shifted west, but we still like 
I mean, it was all morning long was tornado warnings, which is super distressing to my kids because they want to jam every last toy they have into the bathroom. And I'm like, hey, guys, like that bathroom's really tiny. I haven't had to take cover since having more than one kid. (laughs) Oh, it's so exhausting because it's like, you know, I have to remind them. I'm like, there is... Well, eight of us, you know, two granted, two of them are fur babies, but one of them is a hundred pound dog. Yeah. Like, and we have to squeeze into a spot like, I am really sorry, but your Pikachu stuffy is going to have to wait outside. <laughs> oh. It's just going to happen. So it's. That sounds like a catastrophe. <laughs> watching young kids prepare for a natural disaster is like equally frustrating and hilarious at the same time. Like they have, we do, we print out coloring pages. And so they spent like a good half an hour the day before, like picking out all the coloring pages that they wanted to save that I hadn't happened to accidentally recycle and putting it in a file folder so they could also carry that into the bathroom. Oh, do you think that one of your kids would want to tell us a little bit about your disaster preparation and be on the podcast sometime? Oh, my gosh. I think that would be so cool. I bet that Ava would, be would really dig that. She drew Ava. me a really cool picture of a tornado not too long ago that was sucking up all her number two pencils really interesting why was that not on our social media i don't know i dropped the ball on that one yeah you dropped it (laughs) so yeah i wasn't i wasn't in the comb but like i said there's still we still got you know some action and so there's lake charles and then like we're kind of in the middle and then new orleans to the east of us right well they just outside of New Orleans in Araby, Louisiana, they had a fire at their Domino sugar refinery. Oh, yeah. I saw that on our social media. Man, I'm really going to blow my cover. The social media is like all you. Oh, no. <laughs> that one was intense because that was like a live feed. Like when I posted it. So it was just like, oh, my gosh. It was just like. Uh, it was just so super stressful because, um, you know, spoiler alert, my um, episode today is going to be about a sugar factory explosion. So, you know, having already worked on this episode, I'm like watching this like, is this thing going to fucking explode? Like, oh. that's like all I could think. Um, It didn't. It didn't explode. Well, thank God. Yes. <laughs> So the Domino Sugar Refinery here, it's it's 111 years old, which is, that blows my mind. Wow. Um, and I'm pretty sure everybody recognizes, you know, that name. It's got like, oh yeah. when you go to the grocery store, it's got that obnoxious yellow packaging. Um, fun fact, Domino Sugar Refinery produces more sugar than anywhere else in the world. So, yeah, so that thing catching on fire, I mean, that's a big hit to the community for sure. Yeah. Um, There were no injuries to, there was 300 employees um, that were evacuated, so no injuries to any of them or the first responders. So that is amazing because it was really scary. Um, They believe that lightning had something to do with the fire, but I mean, this just happened so obviously it's there's going to be an extensive investigation the fire was basically contained to two silos and like i said didn't seem like there was any explosion which is a goddamn miracle because sugar if you didn't know is highly combustible i did not know that Mm -hmm. which brings me to this week's episode And that is the 2008 Imperial Sugar Dust Explosion in Georgia. 2008? Yeah, I picked a new one. Oh, wow. For some reason, I thought this was definitely going to be an old-timey one. You know, I love my old-timey, but I was feeling a little edgy this week. 
<laughs> okay. You're going to come into the century? Yep. Join me. <laughs> so the Imperial Sugar Refinery, originally called the Savannah Sugar Refining Corporation, was located in Port Wentworth, Georgia. Folks from Louisiana were actually moved to Port Wentworth to build the refinery in 1916, and it would open the following year, July 1917, and it would produce um, Dixie Crystals. The refinery would exchange hands several times as businesses do, and in 1997, a Texas-based company called Imperial Sugar would become the new owners. So, this one is for you, Brianne. Are you ready? I'm very ready, yes. It's a little fun fact. Okay. Imperial Sugar's home base is actually in Sugarland, Texas. Oh, no. You know that band that's going to sue you? <laughs> I'm still waiting. Yes. They got their name from that city, apparently. Did they really? Yes. I guess it was good enough. But they, even though, like, they have zero links to Texas and are actually from Georgia. So it's like full circle. Hmm. Wow, every day I check my mail and I wonder if I'm going to have a summons from Sugarland. <laughs> I saw that and I was like, oh my gosh. I inadvertently That's, did yeah, that Sugarland research. That's back to number one. <laughs> There's That's got to be on a bingo card, right? Is that on your bingo card? We have a new bingo card. We'll post that too. I made this bingo card. That kind of thing is usually your department, but this one is me. I'm proud of myself. Yeah. Print out your bingo card. And let's see how many you guys check off on this episode. I have mentally already checked off at least four. <laughs> All right. So back to the Imperial Sugar Refinery in Georgia, not Texas. On February 7th, 2008 at 7.15 p.m., massive explosions and fire engulfed the Imperial Sugar Refinery. There's actually live footage of this explosion and i'll post that too but it's like a fucking bomb went off like i i had to turn it off i mean there's like no gore it's like a like a surveillance type yeah but that pop i oh even though you don't really see anything it's just like i don't know if i'll ever get that sound out of my head it's just like oof. It's bad. There's, I forgot to tell you, there's um, some kind of video of like somebody who had cameras in their house from uh, Richmond Hill, and it's from the explosion. You can see like this big shake and bang, and then all the doors blow open. Really? Yeah. I meant to send you that. You got to send it to me still. I need it. Yeah. Never too late. Never. So... <laughs> When I first came across this story, like, I could not wrap my brain around, like, how, like, how sugar was so highly combustible. Like, it, it's just... Yeah. It's weird. You don't think of it that way, like, when you're cooking. No, it's so sweet. Like, creme brulee, <laughs> you're literally setting that shit on fire. Yeah, you exactly. know what I mean? Um, but I guess given the right conditions, it can closely mimic the explosions, kind of like what we talked about in the Monogon Mine disaster episode. Really? Mm-hmm. Sugar like, does... What are the right conditions? Tell me everything I need to know. I'm giving it to you. So okay. sugar dust um, or dust explosions in general happen when a buildup of dust particles is ignited by something as simple as like static electricity or tool sparks. So, you know, this that you remember in Monaga where it was like the train mm -hmm. and it just. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like that. It's just you got all this stuff floating around and it's just. A perfect storm. Ugh. So this is actually really common with grain production, too. One of our listeners um, wrote in and recommended the Kansas grain elevator explosion, which seems right up your alley. Um, but we totally should well, dig into hold that. Hold on. What, when is it from? I think like very recent. Okay. Then yes, that, that can be my, my alley. Like super duper duper recent. Okay. Don't quote I'll, me on that. I'll accept that alley. <laughs> I'm going to. It's not old timey, but grain elevator explosion. I mean, 
That's yeah, I'm into it. Sounds bananas, and it, it sounds kind of uh, Indiana vibes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So sugar. So now, like I said, you know, because we are talking about cooking and creme brulee, like it's you can't think of it as like your bag of granulated sugar that you just bought from the grocery store. Like it's not that. This right. is no. sh- sugar dust. Um. It's the combustible stuff. It's actually a byproduct from the manufacturing process. So in the last stage of processing sugar, when sugar crystals have been poured through a heated dryer, and it's then put on a conveyor belt to make its way to the silos. So from the silos, the uh, the sugar is transported by another conveyor to packing buildings to get ready for distribution so it can get packed up and sent to your grocery. So basically all this moving and shaking of the sugar, all the tiny little particles and stuff, it's, it's just floating in the air. And apparently that's not good. It is not. So there's, have you ever heard of, uh, how stuff works? Uh, yes. It's awesome. Like it is. I could spend days on this website. Yeah. Um, they actually have a really great article called how can sugar explode? (laughs) Oh, well, it was really helpful and easy to find with this title. It goes into detail about what happens when sugar dust is ignited. It says that after ignition, quote, the entire process is fueled by the oxygen in the room. And since dust is suspended in the air, it interacts with the oxygen more easily than when it's settled on a table. This is also why marshmallows don't explode. Um, the oh. sugar inside the confection doesn't have much oxygen to interact with because it's so dense. The force of the blast depends on the enclosed room. The chain reaction produced from the ignited sugar dust particles produces energy. This produces compression and expands the volume of the air. When this buildup occurs faster than the flame burns, as in the ca- can be the case indoors, you'll have an explosion. The first explosion is called a primary explosion, and the force created by the primary explosion can unsettle even more sugar dust, causing a secondary explosion. The two can happen in quick succession, and the second blast is often the more powerful one. It's kind of like a boom kaboom. Oof. So you think about it, it's like you got your first explosion, and it's basically shakes up even more dust yeah it's i'm very much thinking about it oh creepy right yes so the night of the explosion at the imperial sugar refinery there were actually 112 people working the dust collection system in the refinery it was shoddy at best it was too small for the workload and it was also not uh, connected to the conveyor belts and the bucket elevators that brought the sugar to the silos like, those are the two things that are kicking up the most shitload of sugar dust. Like, you have to have something sucking it out. Yeah. They didn't. Of course. A workaround to clean the dust off the machinery was by using compressed air, which, uh, I don't know. You're basically blowing sugar dust from one place to another. <laughs> I don't know. I just kind of. I feel like that's on our bingo board somewhere. <laughs> it reminds me of like when I tell my kids to clean their room. Yeah. They're not cleaning it. They're just taking that toy and putting it in a different room. Yeah, or maybe if they're my kids, they're just literally taking compressed air and blowing sugar around their room. That sounds like them. Oh. What about your glitter explosion? <laughs> oh. Have we talked about to, that? No, that we need to do an episode about that. The, the 2020 <laughs> I'm glitter. I'm trying to block that out. That still. was 2020, right? It was, but it was the beginning of 2020. It was not. It I was feel not like this that's, 2020. That's like how you start this fucking mess is with like a massive glitter explosion. That is probably what kicked off all of this bullshit it's all your fault i it's not my fault it's, it's all their your kids fault, fault. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so early this year um 
now they have separate bedrooms initially they were in the same bedroom and we had a playroom um and we okay so my best friend used to own an indie nail polish company which was so cool and it bums me out that i can't plug it because she's not doing it anymore because it was just phenomenal that sounds rad it was so cool and she had the best names for things oh it was so cool she's so cool um so she had all these glitters i mean when you think about glitter you are not thinking about glitter on like an industrial scale she had ziploc bags on top of ziploc bags of every color and size and shape and type of glitter and she sold some of it and i'm sure she probably kept some of it but she also gave us like a shit ton uh for crafts and I think it was about the equivalent of two gallons of glitter for crafts. That's so much glitter. Mm-hmm. And it was great for a while. Uh, we did crafts now and then. Adelaide knew that it was very off limits if we weren't doing a craft together. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> it was all in Ziplocs in a box on the top of the playroom closet which the playroom closet itself is completely off limits and they absolutely knew that like we actually had just talked about it a couple days before they totally knew so i woke up one day and came downstairs and they had woken up before me and gone into the playroom which is fine if they wake up first at the time they were more than welcome to go into the playroom but they had also opened the closet and gotten the box <laughs> And dumped two gallons of glitter on the floor. <laughs> I'll never forget that post. Two fucking gallons. <laughs> Not just only one of those that, but then they fair- jumped up and down in it. Like, I walked into the room and my four-year-old, who I think at the time was almost four, was literally just standing in a pile of it, jumping up and down. And they would, like, scoop up handfuls and lift it over their heads and drop it like rain. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I really think. I'm sorry, I'm they, laughing. <laughs> I think that when they are deciding who can become a foster parent, they need to dump two gallons of glitter in their house and see if they can keep their shit together. <laughs> Because if you can, you're you're hired. You're you're good. You're fucking hired. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh, I will never forget that ever ever. And it was just like all the moms were like, "We know you're having a hard time, but this is this is funny shit." Yeah, I'm I'm glad someone enjoyed that. (laughs) I'm sure you're still finding glitter everywhere. Oh, forever and always. (laughs) It's not as big of a leftover mess as. One would think two gallons of glitter on the floor would be, but yeah, for sure. Yeah, not good. So back to cleaning up messes. So how they cleaned up the sugar was basically compressed air, you know, and so they're blowing it and it's just getting blown other places, namely very high things. So yeah, most of those airborne dust just settles on the fixtures and it can't be cleaned by workers. In the basement below the 300-foot silos, there's a conveyor belt that um, it had been updated the year before with a stainless steel enclosure, um, basically to keep the sugar from getting contaminated. The only problem with this is that nothing was installed to suck the dust out of that enclosure. So it's just building up inside of this new space. And it's just all trapped sugar dust. It's thought that an overheated bearing on the conveyor belt acted as an ignition and it caused the primary explosion. Kind of like that's spooky. Yeah, kind of like the way the article explained earlier. The explosion vented into the packing building where they pack all the sugar up. um, And then subsequent explosions just happened throughout the whole refinery. It was basically a bunch of sugar dust fireballs. If you can just think of just like a bunch of tiny little bombs going off. People all the way across the Savannah River in South Carolina reported seeing flames several stories high. Holy shit. 
Yeah, it's fucking bananas, right? Oh my gosh, yeah. Can't imagine just like looking over a river and just seeing like the next town over ablaze. Mm-mm. So the U.S. Chemical Safety Board, the CSB, um, which in it's an independent non-regulatory. I'm so proud I said that right. Federal agency <laughs> that investigates the root causes of major chemical incidents said that thick concrete floors heaved up and brick walls were blown into stairwells and work areas blocking many of the exit routes. So it's like these people can't get out. Like they're, Of course they can't. They're fucking trapped. Eight workers died that night and six more eventually succumbed to their burns. Many others were injured but survived. 14 of them spending months at the Joseph M. Still Burn Center in Augusta, Georgia. So the victims were Eric Barnes, 56. He was one of eight Imperial Sugar Company workers who perished um, in the explosion at the refinery. Eric worked in the bagging area at the sugar plant and had he had worked at the refinery for six years prior to that. John Calvin Butler Jr. and his co- cousin Alfonso Fields Sr., both tragically lost their lives. This poor fucking family. They also had another son, Jamie, who worked at this plant. Um, he was badly burned. He miraculously survived. He was only able to be identified by the contents of his pockets because his injuries were so oh, substantial. I hate that. Yeah. Jamie was later able, like, he survived and he was later able to tell his parents that he he carried his brother um, out um, and along with another co-worker but I mean, his brother didn't make it his cousin didn't make it I just it just it's fucking sad yeah Truett Byers 54 was an operator mechanic at the refinery uh, he had 22 years of service at the plant Michael Kelly Fields 40 was working at the refinery as a contract supervisor for Kirby Enterprises Malcolm Frazier, 47, uh, he passed away from his burn injuries after a six-month battle. Like, ugh. Um, Malcolm had worked as a floor manager in the refinery's packing department, which took the brunt of the explosion. McKinley Vaughn Habershaim Sr., 30, died from his injuries sustained from the explosion. Shalathia Sean Harvey, 31, died a day after the explosion from his injuries. Earl Johnson, 56, worked for the refinery for 10 years. He was so proud of his work at the Imperial Sugar that he would show off bags of Dixie Crystal sugar to his brother when they went to the grocery store. Oh. At, like, and he considered his co-workers his family. This reminded oh, me. Oh, that's sad. It is so sad. And like, it totally hit me in the gut because my dad was a blue collar worker too. He was a printer. And he printed um, Capri Sun packages and um, Quaker Oatmeal, the instant packs. Like, anytime you open an instant pack, like, my dad was in charge of that. You know what I mean? And he would do no this. Idea. He would do the same thing. Like, we know where you work, dad. Like, But he was just so <laughs> proud. So when That's I adorable. saw that Earl did that, like, I don't, it just, it made me weepy. Because, like, I, yeah. I know what it's like you know, for a blue collar yeah. worker, just be so proud of, you know, that's their livelihood. That it's, I get it. I fucking get it. Patricia Ann Pat Lowe Proctor was 45. Uh, she was an employee of the Imperial Sugar Refinery for 10 years. Earl Bernard Quarterman Sr., 55, also worked at Imperial Sugar for 10 years. Byron Singleton was 26 year old. Uh, he was a machine operator who worked at Imperial Sugar for just over two years. Um, he was so young. In his 2001 BCHS yearbook, Byron Sr. quote reads, quote, we are never promised a tomorrow. Live today as if it were your last. And according to his friends and families, that's exactly what Byron did. Michael Big Mike Williams, 51, he died as a result of his injuries. Um, he received as well. Tony Thomas, 51, he worked at the plant for 31 years um, and was a sugar refinery superintendent. Among the mourners um, was John Schepter, president and CEO of Imperial Sugar. Speaking at Tony's funeral, John remembered Tony as a strong leader, a noble and honest man. 
John also said he felt partly responsible for where Thomas found himself when the blast occurred. Quote, he was in the plant waiting for my visit. I was walking through the refinery talking with the employees. My next stop was his work area. He was in the break room waiting for me to arrive. I was minutes away. Um, Tony's body was found eight days later after the blast amid the wreckage uh, in what was once the plant's break room. I mean, that's just, it's so heavy. Oh, my God. The explosion was devastating, um, but like so many of these, it was completely avoidable. Um, records showed that for many years there was there was correspondence with Imperial Sugar about the dangers of sugar dust and the repercussions of what would happen if measures were not taken to avoid a disaster like this. It wasn't some freak accident that happened. Right. It never, I mean, I guess it hardly ever is. Yeah. In 2006, CSB issued a study on combustible dust, which called on OSHA to establish a comprehensive combustible dust standard based on the current standards of the National Fire Protection Association, or the NFPA. So get out your bingo boards Mm -hmm. and check off ignored reports and warning signs. Mm -hmm. Just months prior to the explosion, Imperial did learn about OSHA's implement of the Combustible Dust National Emphasis Program, so it's very clear it should never, ever, 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 ever happened. Between the complacency of whoever was in charge of these safety measures within the refinery and the clear shortcuts that were taken, um, so much was lost unnecessarily. In the end, OSHA fined Imperial Sugar more than $8 million for violations in Port Wentworth Factory, as well as their Gramercy location in Louisiana. Imperial Sugar settled paying $6 million in fines and for your bingo card admitted no fault. Of course. Mm -hmm. Of course. On February 7, 2009, a year after the explosion, a monument honoring the people lost was dedicated at Legacy Park on the grounds of the Port Wentworth plant. The memorial sits to the side of the main gate of the Imperial Sugar's property so that family and friends of the lost can visit whenever they want. Um, This has to be one of the i looked this up it has to be one of the most beautiful memorials i've ever seen i just yeah it has 14 black granite stones with the name of each victim in gold lettering um also has eight benches signifying those who were the like the first killed um on february 7th from an aerial view there's a cross and it's made out of the bricks from the old packaging plant oh wow Mm mm-hmm in the center, there's a bronze statue of hands reaching up to the sky, and it's releasing 14 doves, one for each of the victims. Ugh. The monument was actually designed by Imperial Sugar employees, human resource manager Ginger Falconer, I hope I'm saying that right, and senior human resource administrator Pat House in conjunction, in conjunction with Richard McDowell, the manager of Depew Monument, which created the sculpture. Wow. Yeah. A bronze plaque in the front of the four foot high stone base of the sculpture is inscribed. On the evening of February 7, 2008, an explosion and fire at the Savannah Sugar Refinery claimed the lives of 14 associates and injured dozens more. Legacy Park is dedicated to the loving memory of the fallen. I thank God every time I remember you, constantly praying with joy in every one of my prayers for all of you. And so sad. And that is the 2008 Imperial Sugar Explosion. That was awful. It was fucking heavy. It was a great, you did a great job, but that's so sad. Yeah. So when I saw, you see, like when I saw that live footage, like after have already been working on this, it was just like, I was on the edge of my seat. Like, dear God, like, Please don't let this happen again. Yeah. Yeah. Now I I understand why. These safety measures, I mean, you think about it, they're written in blood. You know, things are changed because uh, of the losses of other people. Man, what a way of putting it. It's so true. Oof. That... That... (laughs) That I gotta take a moment. It's <laughs> really intense. Yeah, I don't sure know. Are. 
maybe it's just maybe one day we won't have anything else to talk about. Mm. Newer wise, there'll be there's old timey stuff for days, but the less new man made disasters, the better for me. I completely agree. I would love the day that our podcast is forced to go under because there is nothing else to talk about. Except for more glitter explosions. Oh, no, 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 no. (laughs) That can stop with the other disasters. (laughs) Thank you very much. Oh, well, yeah, that's what I got. And, you know, sorry, Britt had to wait, but... We can get back to Oops Baby next time. Unfortunately, I think that situation has been unfolding for a very long time. There's so much new stuff, and I might have a really awesome interview coming up, too. Really? Yeah, that one I was telling you about that ghosted me. I'm not going to say anything so I don't jinx you. Okay. I don't say he ghosted you. (laughs) He did ghost me. He's listening. Don't miss our appointment. (laughs) no it was a cool interview he said or not interview but he was super cool about it he was i can't handle when people ghost me but i love fucking honesty he was just like oh geez melody like yeah i forgot yeah (laughs) i appreciate that i appreciate that all right babe i'm gonna go to bed yeah it's your bedtime it is All right. I'll talk to you soon. All right. Well, thank you for that horrible episode. You're very welcome. Stay (laughs) safe. You too. Hey, Horrible Ghouls. Hope you enjoyed this week's episode. If you would like to share your personal MarkSafe moment, you can send it to us at MarkSafePodcast at gmail.com. Please give our podcast a rate, review, and subscribe, and tell your buddies about us too. That goes a long way. If you want to further elevate your support, check out our MarkSafe Patreon page, where we have shoutouts, goodies, and some bonus content in the works. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Thanks again, and as always, stay safe.